The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as Terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Okay, okay, so stop me if you've heard this one. What do you do when you're being attacked by a group of clowns? You go for the juggler. This is your host, D to the Dr. D, reaching out through the supervision source of Infinity Interfacing. And I got a new wire for my microphone so I don't sound like I'm talking through a toaster. I am joined by my partner in Infinity, B to the T, Brady T. How is it over there in the universe of repressive aliens, brother? I am as cool as, as a zucchini. Gross. Today on Arachne, we will be discussing how to host a tournament of any size. But before we do that, we should talk about business first. Arachne is a part of the Professional Casual Network. If you would like to support the network, please sign up for our Patreon or purchase some hot swag at streamlabs.com, Professional Casual Network 1. We are also sponsored by Frontline Gaming and would love it if you could use the link in the show notes to purchase your tickets for any of the upcoming events. It really helps us out, even if they're not Infinity events. I know that ACO is coming up real, real soon. It's here in the next couple weeks. I know quite a few people that are going. Unfortunately, as we said before, no Infinity, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on for sure. And it's a fun trip. I definitely recommend it that you go. And of course, we can never forget about our sponsor, Mr. Laser at MrLaser.SquareSite. I've been loving his tray. I've even asked him when he thinks he's going to be releasing the new, like when the actual retail version of the tray. He says he's not super 100% sure yet because he's been getting ready for the inevitable floodgate that is Shatterpoint that's coming out here fairly soon. But I'll keep you guys posted and I'll see if I can start getting them to make other cool stuff. All right. So, Brady, this weekend, there was this big event that happened. I heard you were involved. Yes, uh, I was the one responsible for running Iron Weld, or the Infinity event at Iron Weld. Well, there's a lot of people who did a lot of other things to make sure the whole Iron, Iron Weld went off, so I'm not going to take credit for that. Yeah, so I was making sure that Infinity ran on time and completed on time, and, every, and no one killed each other for the Infinity event. And I can say with some certainty that all of those things happened. I have not made sure to double check with everyone being alive still, but I think they were all still alive when they left my charge, so it was a good event. Is it as good as like a Dothraki wedding where it's considered a dull affair if there aren't at least three violent murders. Basically. Like, no one flipped a table, so it's like, eh, how good of an event could it really have been if the rules, if the rules debate didn't get good enough or someone decided, you know what, eh. Just throw everything everywhere. Get out of the way! 
this event is too boring. I need to start making problems. So, okay. Obviously, uh, I was actually also there. I was helping run the MCP stuff, so I did not have the opportunity to play in the event. I would have loved and Actually, on that Sunday, the MCP stuff kind of fell through a little bit. So if I had actually known that was going to happen, I would have brought an army and I would have been able to play. So let's just say I walked around and I hung out for quite a bit. I absolutely loved what I was seeing. A lot of the tables were pretty pretty spiffy looking, for sure. All the people that were playing, all people that I really enjoy being around, I it was especially as just an outsider viewing in, I thought it looked great. How do you feel about it? I really liked basically everything about the experience. Uh, probably the only, you know, quote-unquote complaint I could make is, you know, we were a smaller event, so we had one of the smaller rooms. And even at 13 players and, you know, so seven, eight tables, it was definitely feeling a little cramped. There was actually a, a, a very funny incident where people actually moved we had them all you know all the tables aligned and people twisted the tables 90 degrees and that actually helped free up some space and help people so they can move around and you're not touching butts the entire time and what what happened because of that is someone you know built their table you know really well for the deployment zones and then you know obviously that table got shifted 90 90 degrees and so people were talking about it later like wow that table felt really weird it felt like it should have been rotated 90 degrees it felt like there was some problems with you know each each deployment zone had very specific things, but if it was shifted ninety degrees, they would have half and half, and you know they'd have half these buildings and half these other ones. And the person looked at them and was like, "Yeah, you you it, it got shifted. It shouldn't have been shifted. Like the whole table should have been either reshifted back, or people should have like acknowledged like that's how they have to deploy their armies." So that was definitely a moment where people had that moment of like, "Oh, we made it better for us, but we didn't document it. Documenting any kind of changes is really important, especially like Infinity. If you have to like change your table for you know, oh, we're doing power pack, we need to shift some terrain around. Hey, make sure you shift that ta- terrain back after power pack, so you have you know the appropriate uh, the appropriate terrain. Or again, you shifted your whole table ninety degrees to make it easier for everyone to move around. Make sure the actual board itself rotates ninety degrees with it after that game, so you can deploy your armies uh, appropriately after that. So that was like a fun, a fun little like things that like you could never tell someone like. I could never like sit down and be like, all right, Dr. D, here's how you're going to plan for an event. Someone's going to move a table slightly because that will make the entire area more usable. Uh, you you can't think to do that. You still got to roll with the punches. And that's like all these events are live shows to some degree. Uh, and you just have to be able to roll with those punches. One of the coolest things that I noticed was since I had a little free time, I actually walked around the entire convention hall. You say you were one of the smallest events. Let me just tell you, the MCP stuff was really was actually maybe smaller at the beginning and then it died out on Sunday. The Blood Bowl stuff didn't even last two days. All the other events shrunk. So actually, funnily enough, other than the AOS, which is the main event, we were probably, or you were probably the one of the biggest events there. So take some pride in that. Yeah, it's Infinity, I have noticed very quickly, because I, I, I come from Warhammer. And Warhammer, as a TO, you're like, okay, I'm going to lose probably 25% of my, maybe not 25 is a really strong word, but like, you're going to lose 10% coming into the event. They're just not, they're going to have signed up, they're going to pay it, and they're just not going to show up. And then throughout the course of the event, you're probably going to lose another 10 to 15%. So like 25% of your players that when you walked in, in theory, walked in the door, are not going to finish the event i think infinity i don't think i've seen a single person drop or maybe one person drops when they're like oh damn i like knew i couldn't finish all three rounds but i could do two but it's it's exceedingly uncommon to not 
you know, start and end with the same number of people in the Infinity events I've seen. I think every event I've ever been to, the only time it shrinks is at the very beginning if somebody just couldn't show up for, you know, a family emergency or whatever. Which is really awesome. I, I am, it's, it's great to plan around that and I don't have to plan around like, well, what happens when one person drops and then I have an odd number and then I have to kind of like convince someone else to drop because I've done that at Warhammer events when you hear like someone being like, maybe I'll drop and I'm like, well, this other person just dropped. So if you're thinking about it, this is actually helps, it helps me if you drop. And that's like, I would never even like think to say that infinity because like dropping is not part of that culture. And so, but actually, ironically enough, one of the things I did see when I walked over for the last round, there was a because you had a buy. Just hey, spoiler alert for everybody listening. There was a buy round in every single round, and the I don't actually remember her name, but you also you were the only event that I saw that had a lady, which is awesome. Uh, it's you know it, it's the perennial war gaming uh, thing right now. Of uh, man, is it a sausage fest? <laughs> <laughs> But she seemed super cool, and and this is the fifth round, so you had a five-round event. And in the fifth round, you said, oh, I'm sorry, hey, you got the bye, but you can play against me. How many people do you think you know would be like, no, I don't want to play? And she said, no, I want to play a game. I came all the way out here to play a game. Oh, yeah, she was like, no, I want to play. And it was funny, because the first day I was like, I, I played someone round one. Uh, for the buy and then round two i'm like man i really hope the person doesn't want to play me i just want to like focus on toing uh so for my rounds two and three uh and four i didn't end up having to play so my first round and last round ended up playing because both people were like no i'm here let's let's get a game in and oh yeah you know she she obliterated me i don't think i took my second turn it was that bad i i made some pretty key mistakes in that game i she won the roll-off and chose to go first, and I should have just picked the side that she was on. I for- also forgot, like, I was the one who chose the missions, and I forgot the rules for the missions. Because, you know, why would you remember the rules of the missions that you picked? And forgot it was a 16-inch deployment and not a 12-inch deployment, and so that was like, oh, no. So this is 16-inch, I'm assuming you're playing Firefight. Uh, this was Decapitation. Oh, Decap. Ooh, that's right. Yep, uh, and I gave her the side that it's like, oh, 16 inches, you won't be able to deploy in the big sniper tower, and nope, 16, you totally can, and one TR bot there, and it was like, oh, I can't. Oh, you killed both my my tags in your first turn oh i can't deal with that total reaction bot what cool <laughs> what killed your tags a tr bot no her tag her tag went around oh. and killed both my tags. but it was like i had no way to move up the board at that point to to do anything because it was like anything uh the way the build uh the, that table was that tower basically could see the entire board it really didn't have anything to obstruct its its sight lines until you were like because the buildings were so short that you had to be like on top of them to to block the the downward sightline right uh so yeah that was that was bad i made a, i also made some like pretty egregious deployment mistakes but when you're the one with the buy like if you're just playing someone for the buy i i always i i wish i had made a better list that was more meme like i i should have brought the triple umbra samaritan that like just fire teams up the board i i really like when you're running the buy to just run really weird really meme lists that are just there to have a good time i mean especially as the to it's like you're perfect it's a perfect opportunity to be the, the goof troop yep anyway so this event came up uh th- we had known this event was coming for a while and we'll skip a lot of the backstory behind it but you got placed in charge of it so let's run through that i know that a lot of people out there wish they could run events but they re- actually really just don't know how to do it and honestly that's one of the biggest problems that play just multiple things in people's lives right where they just they're overwhelmed by there's just so many different ways you can do something so i figured this would be a great opportunity to sit down and say this is how you do it here is a playbook for you to run your own event and at least give it a try there is a a crazy level of satisfaction that you will get 
for running a successful event. It's a whole different kind of satisfaction than winning an event. Not to say that you don't get a lot of dopamine out of that for sure, but if you run something that is successful, you just feel really, really good. Would you say that's probably the probably the case? Oh yeah, there and and there is like a certain. It takes a certain kind of person because you you are getting all that joy from watching everyone else have a great event and like leaving with smiles and like laughing and you're like I did this you know I did this I made this possible and I I get a lot of joy from that so I I do really like running events because it does it it feels so good when you like watch you know you're midway through round two or three and everyone's just smiling and having a great time yeah it's there's nothing quite like it so let's get into it then here we are bam you got an event coming up how much time do you like to have as like a pre-planning amount of time roughly so it depends on how comfortable i am with the system but usually for me Outside of like price support, I usually only need about a week or so. You know, so some like so basically, you know, today's Monday. If someone said, Hey Brady, I need you to run an event, when's the earliest you could do it? I would probably say I could in theory do this upcoming Saturday or Sunday, but I basically can't be in charge of making sure there's price support unless the price support is like funded by people's paid in entry. Or I can't be in charge of like venue or all this stuff. If you're doing any kind of like iron weld, you have to get all the venue add, you know, add a two months minimum. And I'd probably even say that's like, damn, you're getting your shit quick. But if you have a store that basically like already knows how to do it and you've already run out that store, I I would say only about a week or so. And if you do expect to get prize support, can you run us through that whole process? Yeah. So Infinity, I'm going to talk about Infinity first. Infinity has a really nice baked in prize support because you buy the tournament pack. And that basically comes with, in theory, all the prize support you would need. However, if you want to like really like add more, if you're running a bigger event, you want to look to get supplementary prize support. Uh, You can look at companies like MicroArt Studios, uh, who is a uh, helped iron weld they gave us some prize support which was fantastic Warsenal as well you can reach out to those companies you can reach out to reach out to other mini- miniature companies or miniature like retailers corvus belly will actually respond to you and give you the time of day and potentially even send you prize support if you're doing anything like that you usually want to leave i would say about two weeks but that's even cutting it close i'd probably say you want to start looking at like getting supplemental prize support a month ahead of time if for no other reason then it probably takes you about a week of back and forth just because emails take a while and if if you are getting miniatures from like if someone's mailing you pride support well you got to get it in the mail and if it's from like harvest belly well that's gonna take you like two weeks so if you're going to have any amount of prize support that isn't from the the tournament pack and the other one that you see from like Warhammer very commonly is, you know, is just store credit. So, you know, people pay $20 for the event and then either all of that or a fair percentage of that is brought back into store credit or or cash or, you know, whatever. And that funds the prize support. That one can be done almost instantly. But if you're not doing one of those two things, you you want about a month. Uh, But reach out ask people like you'd be surprised how often companies acknowledge that like it's good marketing, it's good advertising and it's so cheap for them. Even other game stores, it was less it was even done in Ironweld, but I know for before Ironweld, they did a uh, a Warhammer retreat over the summer. This was like kind of like the compa- uh, companion event. And they just went to all the game stores and were like, hey, will you, you know, fund us X dollars and that'll get you uh, objective markers with your logo on it. And I know a lot of stores just were like, yeah, sure. Oh, it's like this, you know, it's 100, 200 bucks. Sure. That's a bunch of really good advertising for my store. So reach out, find people. You'd be really surprised how willing people are to at least consider it, even if they don't give you 
you know, they may just give you a 10% off coupon. Hey, 10% off coupon. Here you go. That, you know, that's, that's something. Now, where do you usually look on a web? Do you look on their websites for some kind of contact info and just email? Yeah, that would be, uh, that's, that's where I look. I know Ironweld had already had some, uh, by the time I had come in, they had already had a contact with Corvus Belly. So that worked out really well for, for us. Cause once you start getting those relationships, you can kind of keep leaning on them, but usually you're going to be looking at a marketing department like nine times out of 10. Okay, sweet. So let's just say you waited a month, boom, you start getting all your price support. What do you do in order to get ready for, like do you pre- like when do you show up and drop off all the terrain? How do you get your maps? How do you get boards? How do you, I don't know, make sure the space is open? How do you go through that whole process? Yep. So Infinity, you definitely want to make sure that you have enough boards for your event. And again, that is approximately 50% of people need to be bringing a board. Some people will bring two boards, which is great, but you want to make sure you're sourcing that far ahead of time. Same thing for uh, you know, for Warhammer especially, because Warhammer, you're, you're expected to bring all the train yourself. So that's one where I wouldn't start the event, or you know, I wouldn't set the player limit until I knew how many tables I knew I could have. Infinity of a little bit more wiggle room because, again, you're like, oh, okay, my, my store can handle uh, 10 tables. Well, we're going to start with five tables because I know I have a table. You know, these two people who always show up have tables. So we can guarantee that we can make five tables. And then once people start, you know, emailing me and say, hey, I can bring a table. I will bring a table when I show up. Then I can go, okay, we can bring, you know, 12 players, 14 players, 16 players and start bringing that number up. And then the, um, you, you should have already had this conversation with the store before you, again, I'm kind of burying the lead a little bit. A lot of these things, you should have already had this conversation with your location before you open up your registration. Like, so you should know how many tables are available and what the terrain, general terrain space should be. I wouldn't open up a, I, I would not open up an event registration until I knew those answers. And if you don't know those answers, I wouldn't, wouldn't open it. Um, because there's way too many times where you're going to make a mistake or you're going to have a miscommunication. So like I could say, oh, you have to know four weeks out. And it's like, well, if you find four weeks out, the store only supports 14 people and you had 20 people register, you have to tell six people who already paid that like, sorry, I'm refunding you and you're off the wait list or, and you're going on a wait list. And that feels bad. Yes, it does. Yes, yes, it does. Okay, so all that's set. Boom, 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 bang, bang. You got your prizes. You got your venue set. You know how many tables are going to be there. You know who's showing up. Day of. Or when, when is the next, like, so the day before, is there anything you specifically do in order to help? Yes, usually in the, the, the days leading up to, uh, you want to send an email out. I was actually bad about this about Ironweld, but I knew Ironweld was handling a certain amount of the emails. Usually the, you know, the Monday before, I usually try to do it like the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like, is the absolute ideal. But realistically, you can get away with like the Wednesday, Friday. Send an email reminder being like, hey, the tournament is this weekend. Do not forget because people may have signed up two months ago and completely forgotten, scheduled something. And again, you'd rather have them drop then. Uh, again, give them that opportunity. Like that first email you send them is that opportunity. Like, please drop. This is the best time to do it. Then again, let's say like the Friday, the night before or, or Thursday, two nights before you send, you know, your your general tournament packet that should have for infinity, all the mission, again, all the mission information again, all the times for the rounds, how long they're going to be, approximately when they're going to be starting, your lunch plans and situations, any house rules that you're using, uh, any other information people need to know know for their pairings you should be sending out no one reads the player pack but please send it out anyway because in theory it makes you know makes my to soul feel good 
that I've sent it to you, even though you asked me then the question at the, and it's like, no, I wrote it four times in the player pack. And you're like, yeah, I didn't read it. But they at least got the information to them. And then the day of is uh, when, when things can start getting exciting. And plus, if somebody shows up and asks you a question in the packet, and they specifically tell you they haven't read it, it's very easy for you to pass the ball and put it back in their court if they make a mistake. Yes, especially if it's something, you know, if you had, let's say you had a requirement, like all models must be painted. Warhammer uh, Warhammer does this because GW will require in their mission packs, they're like, hey, to get these 10 points, you must have a painted army. A lot of a lot of tournaments ignore that rule, but we've had tournaments that don't ignore that rule, and they go, "No, you as per GW's tournament rules, you must have a painted army at this standard." And someone will show up and not have a painted army. And they're like, "Well, I didn't know." And it's like, "I wrote it four times in the player pack. I put it in every single email. No, you don't get the ten points. No, I don't. Fe- I mean, I feel a little bit bad because you're." You know, you're sad and I want you to be happy, but I don't like I am not losing any sleep. I gave you every single opportunity to to follow this tournament pack. So everybody shows up. What programs do you like to use in order for your pairings or do you just do it on a piece of paper like a psychopath? So I tend to use whatever program is available. So for Infinity, that's the Corvus Belli's Corvus Belli's prioritary system. And for Warhammer, I'm using BCP to for better or for worse. I, I know the Corvus Belli one. We had some interesting the tournament this weekend. Again, we only had 13 people over five rounds. So the fifth round, we certainly had a interesting pare down just because at five rounds, pe- too many people have started playing each other where the math starts to break down. And so it's like, okay, in theory, with knowing we only had 13, I probably should have only run four rounds because the fifth round, I think the top player was paired against the like eighth place, eighth or ninth. And again, it was just because of the system is checking in, trying to pare down. And it's just like, well, no, you've played, you've played, you've played, you've played. Um, I don't really know the ins and outs and the intricacies of the Corvus Belly system. I like BCPs because it gives you a little bit more control of you can say hey here's where my first tiebreaker wants to be here's where my second tiebreaker wants to be it gives you a lot more it's very explicit with its options uh, but for honestly for people do whatever you're most comfortable with when you're a tournament organizer being comfortable is what matters because once you hit that first pair whatever system you have in place you're going to stick to it again i hit that fifth round and the person told me he's like well this is really weird and i'm just like sorry i'm not changing i'm not going to do a manual repair i'm not doing that because that's unfair to everyone previously because we were using this pairing system up until this point and i understand the math has totally broken down this is this is not good but consistency especially in pairing needs to be the top priority going forward unless you absolutely need to change it which that makes sense I mean, you don't want to be switching things in the middle. What it, and I know this has happened in a lot of 40k events, and it's definitely happened in Infinity. Events. What happens when your pairing system dies? Well, you got to go back to pen and paper. I have never had to experience it, and quite honestly, I never want to because I think the answer is I throw my hands up and cry. But I think, uh, like, truly, the answer at that point is you know, hopefully, it doesn't crash hard enough that you can at least still see the you know where you've been. But that's also why people always tell you if you're using Corpus Bellies, save early, save often, and take pictures. Take pictures of every single round. So in theory, you can rebuild it if you if it absolutely dies on you. But yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yes. Uh, and again, you don't want to, but if you absolutely need to, you you should be able to do that. I, I would go to pen and paper if I absolutely had to, but if the whole system like completely died, there's a good chance the tournament dies to some degree with it. But, like to be perfectly honest and blunt, I think Infinity I can get away with it a little bit more just because of the the community is much more focused on like I want to have fun games. Where Warhammer, there's a lot more like I, I know there is the ITS rankings in, in Infinity, but it you know, it feels to me at least 
noticed from the outside looking in. Maybe I, I'm not sweaty enough in Infinity yet, but people really care about their ITC rankings in, in 40k. And so if you were the event that like, oh, they had to do a manual pairing on paper after doing two rounds of BCP, you know, especially if you were a big enough event where like those points may matter. I, I could see that being like a Reddit controversy that no one wants to deal with. They're going to try and shoot the messenger. <laughs> They're going to come for blood. That's for sure. Okay. So how do you handle round times? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to back up a little bit and say, when you show up, this is really important. You should be there at the absolute bare minimum one hour before start time. And that's like bare minimum. And if, and that's like, I would say, depending on like, if you're setting up tables, like if you're doing 40 K and you're setting up the tables hour and a half, two hours, give yourself so much time. You want to be able to sit down, relax, drink your coffee before that first round. And if you're there like half an hour before that first round, you're running around with a chicken with your head cut off. And that preparedness leads us really well into timeliness on starting your round. These events go long. People, you know, one of the biggest things I always hear is like, oh, damn, I wish these events started at like, I wish dice rolled at 8 or like 9 a.m., 8 a.m., 7 a.m. I always, from different people, I hear earlier and earlier start times and my brain's like, Jesus Christ, I don't want to roll dice at 7 in the morning. But I understand it because like, you know, you're used to waking up in the morning for your job at 7 and then you're winding down you know, you're winding down for your night a lot earlier in the evening where when you start at 10 a.m., you're not realistically getting on that tournament until 7 to 8 p.m. And I, and I get that's a long day for most people. So the, one of the ways to make it better is start your tournament on time. If you say dice are rolling at 10, at the very least, you need to be having your game on meeting at, at 10 a.m. You know, that's, you know, getting getting your house rules, re-going over your player packet because, again, they didn't read it, and then starting it. And that whole meeting should be five ten minutes uh and again as close as humanly possible as people rolling dice at 10 is you can do it if everyone's there early which they should be you should always tell them be here if you're starting at 10 tell them be here for 9 30 so i can start that game on meeting at 9 45 but like things happen people aren't on time for things and end your rounds on time have your timer let the players know usually i let people be a little bit more lenient going into lunch just because hey it's your lunch time but i don't want to be too lenient because that's also one where if i give someone like an hour extra like you know like, we do an hour for lunch and i give them a whole extra hour well that gave your game an extra hour that other people didn't get and they had to finish their games early and that is like an unfair advantage your second round is really the one where people are like if you every minute you push that one off everyone is staying late and with infinity where everyone is in theory potentially should be walking away with a like some amount of pride support your last round as well people are waiting around they're like hey i need to i came in 10th out of 16 i need to get my like pin can can we just end this last game and you're like waiting on the top tables and they have like you know it's they're five minutes over and you're like hey i i also i've been here all day i want to go home too chop chop <laughs> time chop chop so in infinity how do you so you it depends on the game right in the world of mcp i've seen it actually go both ways where when the timer hits they either say all right finish your act your action or wait until the end of the round how do you reckon yeah for infinity i would ideally wait to the end of the round so if they're in the bottom of like if they're in the bottom of the turn i think this happened at iron world someone's like hey it's about to go into the bottom of turn two or turn three and he's like i got five orders i'm like okay just finish your round like that's fine go finish your round if they were like at the top of two or the top of three and at that point you know it's like sorry we got to call it one of the one of the actual best pieces of advice i got or a house rule from a player and I, I actually need to start like formally putting it into player packs is when you hit 30 minutes 
you split the time evenly, and from that moment forwards, you split. The, you each have 15 minutes, and that's it. You're done at 15 minutes. You can't take any more arrows. You don't roll dice, period. And that's a way that will help end the games. It's like, I don't care how slow you were before. I don't care if, you know, if, if you, Dr. D, took, you know, it's a two and a half hour, and you took two hours, took that whole two hours. Well, guess what? You have 15 more minutes, and I get 15 minutes. Because I know Infinity is never going to use chess clocks, and I don't really feel like they should. I feel like Infinity just would not work with chess clock. But it is a good way to kind of chess clock yourself in the last because hopefully at that point you're in the last turn or are damn close to it and helps get your game to a logical conclusion for 40k and other games that are more a little bit more deterministic i usually can say like hey can you talk out your round i'll be here i'll help you talk it out if we can't talk it out again the game will end on this game turn i don't care the game is ending on this game turn how do you know how many rounds what's like what's your general rule of thumb for determining the number of rounds like uh for the tournament? Obviously, usually it's the number of players, right? Do you have like specific numbers you like to delineate? Oh, this is a five-round event. This is a four-round event. This is a two-round event. I usually do three for, for a one-day. That's you know usually long enough to get people there, uh, have a whole day of it, and it helps you determine who an actual like quote unquote winner would be i basically at this point have only run three rounds and five rounds you know if you're doing a two day you do a five rounder however that being said this weekend i definitely hit that point where i it probably should have been a four round event i should have coming into the event i should have called it down one round just because the math there was no way the math was going to keep working after after that fourth round in general i think your first day can be three and your second day can be two unless you have a good reason to go to either three or, or one uh, i have never seen seen anyone run a two a two round or a four round one day i do do know there has been some four round uh one day events but like i i look at that and go, oh i'm ending at midnight i'm too much of an old man so i i would usually say look for your th- look look to run a three round event potentially the next iron Weld, it'll be a three round event i think memorial day may have hurt our player numbers but there also could be that a, the desire for in the local scene at least for for two day five round events is less because i know coming up in june and like one or two weeks are like when this podcast is essentially dropping we have uh the young and the juiceless and that's already hit like it's like 24 players already and i'm wondering okay why why is there a 10 player difference and it could very well be our local area is like you know what i'm fine with three three rounds and going home and if that's the case i'm fine with that I, you know even if we're at Ironworld, MCP ran one, one ran a one day, and then everyone went home. And I could have run fun events today. I could have run our Sunday. I could have run a tag joust. I could have done all these different things. So I got to listen to those players, and that's like always look to solicit feedback from your players. I don't think we're at the end of what you do after an event, but I'll I'll make sure to mention that after your event is wrapped up. I, and I've actually seen this run a couple different ways. Some of them I thought were fascinating, and some I thought were just boring. Do you ever consider the sportsmanship? aspect of the hobby as like because one of the recent events i went through for mcp was at the end of the game they gave you like a pamphlet and they said hey one to ten how would you rate the guy you just played against would you do anything like that in order to get a best sportsman like would you do a best sportsman and and if you did how would you do that in such a way where it wouldn't be so partial in the end no i personally don't like the sportsmanship system it's not because i don't think it has value i think the problem i have with it is everyone should be sporting like that is the default and if you're not i should be kind of coming in and punishing like it's almost one of those like it sounds really dumb but it's like i'm rewarding something you should already be doing but i uh, I understand the point of that. It's 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 pushing you to excel. It's pushing you to be like, hey, you come down to the table and I hand you a beer and like we're having a like we're gonna have not just a good game. We're gonna have a great game and we're gonna be lifelong friends and start a podcast. What a fascinating idea! 
the problem I have with that to some degree is that is still also at the whim of your opponent. So if I'm the nicest human being in the world again, I you know I give you my my I give you my kidney, but I still beat you, and you're a little bit salty after it. You give me a bad score, and so that hurts my like sportsmanship score. So like it's one of those situations where the sportsmanship scoring is actually easier to be trolled by bad sportsmen. And I don't, I don't find quantifying it makes anyone more sporting. I do think there is a way to run it, which is as a TO, you're going around and watching and listening and kind of writing notes down to yourself and you do it as a spontaneous award or, you know, maybe you have your little other TOs and helping you out with that. But I don't think players rating each other is a very strong way to produce the kind of result you want and i wouldn't do it for a one day i think for a five rounder and a two day there was at that point you start getting enough data points but even then i'd rather have it not be a a judge by player to player just because it's you really are at the mercy of the person across from you and if they decide they want to be vindictive it's like well i guess my score gets tanked for no reason and also like it shouldn't be a competition to be a good person well in our local meta being a good person just means you're middle of the pack i mean you're the middleist the, the, the champion of the people Exactly. So you, you're so good at balancing your sportsmanship and your ability to play that you get middle of the pack every single time. That's a real hero right there. Okay, so how do you generally handle your buy rounds? If you do have, And can you explain what a buy is for anybody that doesn't know what that is? Yeah, you get a buy round if there's an odd number of players. So I know Corvus Belly handles it very differently in terms of its like actual scoring and what you get for the buy round in terms of like actual how the scoring is done. I don't fully understand it. I know it like does like averages your score or something. Uh, Warhammer was a pretty easy, they had a pretty linear like you get i i, I want to say you took the average of all the score all the winning scores or you just gave them a 70 or an 80 you know you gave them a, a fairly okay win but not an absolutely mind-boggling win i always like as a to to have a, an army that i can play pretty mindlessly like i was talking about like a meme list or some kind of list that i can play based with my eyes closed so that i can play the person give them something to do while also watching and be able to field to questions and leave the board and go and, and answer those questions also like they should also win the game ideally because then they, that means they're having fun i usually do for the buy round it's the last place or second to last place person that's pretty standard to to give one of those two people the buy and again, you really want to avoid a buy if you can, because like nothing feels worse than you know showing up to an event and just, especially when you wake up early and then it's like, oh, I could have slept in. If I know I have a buy, I try to find out who the next person is as soon as I can. So if you're going into lunch, it's like, hey, you can go take a long lunch. Go sit down and have like a nice steak, you know, have a nice steak lunch. Or if it's before the last round of the event, like, hey, in Ironweld. I let the person know the night before on that on Saturday night. I'm like, hey, you can sleep in tomorrow. And they got to sleep in, which they really appreciated because I could have done the pairings that morning. And then it's like, hey, you, you didn't have to be here. Thanks for being here, chap, yo, buddy. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good thinking. When the event ends, everybody's reported their game. They've done everything. If you decide to do a painting or not. So if you decide to do a painting award which I know not all TOs do. How do you tend to do the scoring for that? I I don't have a scoring rubric when I do painting, usually. I have two ways I like to do painting. I like to do a full painted army raffle is tend to be one of my favorites just because it it doesn't discriminate based on skill. It's like, hey, just I want to see more armies painted. So if you just want to slap chop a bunch of contrast on, one that may still actually look pretty good in Infinity just because the way Infinities take uh, contrast so well. But I don't I don't want to you know, I want everyone to feel encouraged because I've seen people like, well, I don't want to paint my army because I'm never going to win a painting war. It's like, 
well, who cares? To get your army painted, you can still win, you know, 20 bucks for, you know, store credit. The other way I like to do it is by single model. And that one can either be community vote or, or you know, the TOs get together and kind of decide. And that way I'll kind of encourages, hey, go all out on one model. And again, a lot of my mentality on that is more about getting more people into painting and less arguably about finding the absolute best painter in the room. And it's trying to bring more people into that side of the hobby because, again, I, I come from the Warhammer side. And sometimes you really got to drag up kicking and screaming into into that a part of the hobby that I actually really do enjoy. And I you know, started doing to some degree because it's like, well, I should have a fully painted army. You you require it for tournaments or you require it to win some kind of prize. And that's how I started and have gotten better at painting because I started to enjoy it more. So incentivizing those people is my primary focus for a painting award and less about finding the absolute best painter, which I know some people don't like because there is there is the argument of, well, I'm a really good painter. I, I only really show up for the socialization and to show off my painting and I'm not giving them as much of a spot to shine. So this is as someone who's known for painting, right? And definitely known for not winning. My personal opinion on it is that when it comes to the aspects of the hobby, you would much prefer positive reinforcement to negative reinforcement where it should be painting is rewarded, but you are never ultimately punished for not painting. Like you should be able to play with an unpainted army, but people that do bring a fully painted army should have like an extra level of prestige thrown to them in some way. That's always been my personal opinion. I I know that there's people that argue both sides of that. I'm assuming you're more. You agree with me in that. Kind of I matter. I couldn't agree more with you on that. I I'm firmly on that side. I want you to show up and play games, even with your gray plastic or your white metal. But damn, I really want you to even just again. I just want you to spray it and get a contrast on it. I think it'll look better, and I think you'll be happier with it. Again, it doesn't have to be an amazing, you know, Duncan Rhodes paint job. It doesn't have to be one of these absolutely blow your blow your socks off. Let's just see your painted models on the board. I'm actually going to point out as a kind of a, like a monumental thing. When I was walking around the event that you were hosting at Ironwell, there was only two armies there that weren't fully painted. And one of them was, he was like in the middle of it. There was only actually, from recollection, only one person that had essentially bare metal. Everybody at least had some kind of like color. Most of the armies were fully painted. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And again, it doesn't have to be this insanely time-consuming thing. And also, trust me, it'll help you delineate your models. It'll help your opponent delineate your models. That's why I say even just a quick contrast job, it makes it more obvious from a distance because white metal really is hard to tell what I'm looking at, especially in Infinity where it's like, hey, you may have the same model represent multiple profiles. Yeah. So I always I have two uh, Nexus uh, Nexus operatives in my combined army list and almost all my combined army lists. And I'm like, okay, brown brown cloak is an engineer because you know you wipe your greasy hands on brown and the green one is a hacker because green is hacking i don't know with that dumb explanation i've never gotten people be too confused you know wait that's your hacker yes okay if they were both white metal they're not gonna remember and i'm gonna forget who knows yeah right no i'm right there with you brother i get it so end of the round whether you do or end of the entire event you round you know you figure out who's the winner yada yada how do you personally divide up the spoils who like which places do you usually reward the most yada yada this one depends a little bit on how many people you have i definitely do a first and second then i usually go to third usually first second and third are like the first get the first grab or are the highest numbers then is really when my opinion where i can start making decisions i usually go to painting next just because again i really want to reward painting and then i usually will go to either middlest or last placed 
next. I, I did a middleist early this time, and I kind of regret it. Yes, it gets them like uh, higher up in the prize picking, but I think there is that really nice and to build up of anticipation when you when you're like, you know, here's fourth, here's fifth, here's sixth, and then everyone's holding their breath on that seventh place. And here's the medalist. And honestly, that that amazing medal that we gave out, I, I think is worth more than, at least in my opinion, than any like, oh, I could have gotten, I don't know, the, this patch I really wanted or, you know, at, at that point when you're that far down in the, um, or even if when you're, you know, if I put them at the fourth or fifth pick of prizes, your, your top, top ones have already gone. You know, sure. your, your event exclusive model usually is going to go when your first three picks. I'd be amazed if it went past that. So even if you did middleist in like the third prize, at that point, you're kind of forcing it, in my, at least in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree with that. I, I'd rather push your last place or your painting up as your as your third or fourth just because that last that last place you know making that person's again we talked about giving people rewards for kind of showing up and keeping them engaged in the community is really important so i'd rather have a last place person get really excited because a bit of list at least probably had a game or two that went well and so they're excited to come back where we, we've been in those tournaments i'm not sure if you have i know i have where you've just got dumpstered oh and three no no close games that was your event that was the event. That was the pretty much the first time I met you. The event you were running. That was the one I got dumpstered in. <laughs> yep, and it's you know it feels bad. You're you're not excited to go to your next event. I mean, some people are, but like I take losing fairly well. All things said and done, but I'm still not like if I get a really bad tournament results, I'm not excited for my next one. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame. You. Sometimes you need just like a break. You just uh, you need to reset your engines. Yeah, I get it. So you give out all the prizes. Everybody seems to be happy. Generally speaking, I would say Infinity probably has more prize giving than most other game systems I've ever been to, since it is much more spread out and you get all like the little patches and the little stupid things like that. Which don't get me wrong, I think they're stupid, but man, I love them. I absolutely love getting you know your sticker, your little happy banana sticker. It's good stuff. Your gold star. Okay, now we're gonna make some stickers for the next uh, bunch of happy oh! banana stickers for the next. Oh! Uh, we'll put our little logo on them. All right, with the Arachne happy banana sticker. Oh, yes! Alright, uh, <laughs> down in the comments below, like and subscribe and tell us what your favorite Arachne sticker should be. <laughs> so how do you how do you personally enjoy getting feedback for your event? So usually right after the event, I'm asking a lot of questions. Even during the event, I'm asking a lot of questions. But you should you should probably look to either reach out on a Discord. It, I know Infinity is a little bit unique, just or at least our local area is a little bit unique because so many people are on like kind of like that local New England-ish Discord. The best way to is to send an email blast out to everyone. You should have all their email addresses. They all registered in your event and i would wait about a day or so i was debating sending the email to everyone from iron for iron weld today and i'm like i'm gonna give it another day or so let kind of people stew on the event and it's always important to let people know like you will not take it personally the best way to do it is if you can provide them a way to anonymously send you feedback that's kind of hard and tends to require a little bit more like you know paper or other ways so you know email is a pretty good way to do it but i know some people are afraid to give like especially if they had a really bad time and like they don't want you to like feel bad they definitely aren't going to tell you to their your face a lot of times if they had a really bad event so that email is that email feedback is going to let them like you know after a day or so and you and you're no longer like in their face you're no longer in like physical punching range so they can maybe be like no I not only did I hate the tournament, I hate you as a person because <laughs> you just ran such a shitty tournament. I will never be back. They'll never, they're not going to tell you that in person. You'll tell me that in person, obviously. Uh, but like most people are going to tell you that when you're in physical striking range. 
And you know, that's the human condition, right? People not wanting to offend each other. When sometimes it might be better if you just tell them like it is. Oh, I, I always tell all my players, like, please, I want to know, especially if like, you like, I will never come back to an event run, run by Brady. I want to know that and I want to know why. I may get some sad, I may be some sad, but like, it will only make me run the next event better. Sure. Or I will stop running events and make everything better. If like, if that's truly like, oh, the scene is getting hurt because of that. And again, this is, I'm using myself as the example here, but that is so important. It only will get better if you tell me what is wrong. Like I have some ideas of like things I want to improve for next Iron World, but you may have seen something I I haven't seen. And there and there is also I think one of the things I I always try to like tamper some people on is there's some things that I can't change. Yeah, um, sure. I as the Infinity Coordinator have very little say in the venue i have very little say in certain certain aspects of the venue and like especially venue is one where people are like oh i wish you know this the sound dampening was better because it was pretty loud in that room and it's like well i can't change the hotel there's only so much i can do in that situation and yeah if i knew really far ahead of time like you know i could have like brought blankets and tacked them up but like eh, that's a lot like that that starts going a little bit more to the like harder to fix and it's still worth mentioning but when you're giving those kind of feedbacks sometimes you have to acknowledge that like not everything will be acted upon even if it's still appreciated for sure i mean like something that i have seen feedback wise and so at this point now this is kind of like the extras right we if you were to just stop right now you could probably run an event pretty easily at this point i think we're it'd be safe to say let's talk about some like weirder situations which i'll embellish here in a second but the biggest source of feedback I've ever seen for Infinity, usually people hating on table. The sad part about Infinity tables is that everybody has an opinion. They're like belly buttons. Everybody's got one, but some of them are more useful than others. Let's just say that. Like, as far as table quality, in my esteemed opinion, is if you don't like the tables at an event, make your own table and then bring it to the event if you can, so that you can be a part of the solution. At least up here in the New Hampshire, New England meta, we have a couple tables that are a little more on the infamous side. I actually personally took it upon myself to try and fix that by making a new table to replace one of them. But it's definitely important that if you, which is cool about Infinity, like we were talking about the the train thing earlier. This is the part of the hobby that is the greatest sum of the community itself. Since it is essentially a very, it's very controllable, even though you're not the one technically running the event. It's a way for you to improve local events without you even having to run the things. So that's a great way to help with that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's you don't have to build a whole second table. If you're if one of your big complaints is I know like my table, it's the first time I've, you know, really put it out and I used it for the tournament and I knew it doesn't have enough scatter. I just know it doesn't have enough scatter. The micro art stuff that I bought, very good. I was able to block a lot of sight lines, but like just tiny, like size one scatter pieces, I just didn't have. And my buddy's like, oh, I have some extra pieces. I need a few of your billboard signs. And we just traded those off. An easy thing you can do if you, you know, if you, again, it's if you, if you're privileged enough to have extra money or extra time, you know, to 3D print or, or, or paint or whatever, a bunch of just random size one cars and signs and bushes, just add it, being able to look go to a table if someone says like oh wow that is like a planet bowling ball because that's usually the biggest complaint that people have about like bad tables all right let's scatter like like this the scatter the scatter fairy has come over and is you know has dropped a bunch of little bushes across this table you can be the scatter you can be the scatter fairy obviously not everyone's going to be super appreciative and may not want you to come over to their their baby table and and you know and hurt their precious baby by by scatter bombing it but a lot of players will be very you know will be very appreciative or at least be willing and maybe tell you no but they'll at least be willing to hear you out and like that's a great way to just help the community if that's a consistent complaint of yours 
Oh, so now one thing that I always like to throw around in my head is let's just say, you know, it's not like a big convention and you want to run like a charity event or something that has some other kind of ulterior, not ulterior motive, that's not the right way to say it, but like a bonus objective in it. I know that a lot of people will do tournaments where there's some kind of food drive aspect of it or some kind of donation thing or blah, 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 whatever. Let's just say you, I have a few ideas, which I'll go over after you go. If you were going to run some kind of event that would be more on that side of the spectrum. How would you tend that? How would you do that? So big areas, you don't want to want to find a way to incentivize people to give money, food, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being. One of the ones I saw for a Warhammer tournament, which I would totally steal again, is for a dollar, you could do a reroll, a command reroll without having to spend your point, uh, spend your command points. And that like arguably is a, a fairly powerful effect in the game and all that. But people acknowledge it's a charity event. So like that kind of power, people were fine with. And people would walk up and go, here's 20 bucks. That's for my that's for my whole game. Don't worry about it. I'm doing 20 rerolls. I'm like, okay, have fun. And most people, you know, gave about like five dollars to their game. And but it was because they all knew it was going to a good cause. For Infinity, I have a harder time on a lot of the like pay not like pay to win you know pay to give yourself an advantage because the way you can do that starts really cranking in weird ways what i would probably end up doing is really focus on a lot of the challenge aspects you know we love especially in our local area we love to be to form our own rivalries quickly so i would you know i would do for the first round it's like hey if you throw in five bucks you can challenge someone and they can't say no just something like simple off the top of my head five bucks they can't say no or you know every single round you can challenge someone for you know, doesn't matter if they're 0 and, 0 and 2 and you're 2 and 0. Dr. D, I didn't get to play you yet. We're, we're, we're having it out on this table. What kind of ideas do you have? Like you were saying, as far as re-rolls and stuff like that. So figure like a canned food drive. Every can you bring in, you get, you get to choose when to do a re-roll. You know, you get like a ticket. You give out little tickets or whatever. One of the other, it's not really charity per se, but another way you could alter the game is the beer affinity concept where if whatever you're drinking, when you finish it, you can plop it on the table as terrain. That's another one that's pretty popular. And then as far as other things you could do, there's always like, again, a lot of these are a little more like 40K, uh, maybe friendly. But in this one, you could maybe you give a free booty roll or a meta chemistry roll if you give how, like whatever, you give food or money. And which is, it's still random, but it's also still some kind of bonus now is that bonus a multi-sniper rifle on a bs10 model yeah it might be but there was a, there was a chance that it could have been a odd min minus six modifier hey you got to spend money to make money you know what i'm saying <laughs> so you know it's little things like that and it just makes the event more fun and once you start adding in more random aspects of it you make it more of, you know you make it more of a meme and people love that kind of stuff oh yeah and if you're going into a you know a charity type event thinking like oh damn i'm gonna wreck all these idiots i'm i'm so good it's like wow you're really missing the point you probably don't want to be thinking that going into a normal tournament but if you're thinking that way going into a charity event like come on you need to tone down your jets and even the one of the other great things about Infinity is that it has a bunch of not alternate game modes, but there's like the modifiers. There's your like Soldiers of Fortune or your Spec Ops or your like your hard deck thing. Let's say you have a donation thing and whoever has the highest donation, everybody that plays against them has to use the red cards. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those severe penalties. Oh, no. Or maybe if you donate a certain amount, you get an extra swick or something. You know, it's like little random weird things that you can kind of get away with. And if you, which really incentivizes it, but doesn't necessarily b- totally break the game. Agreed. Yeah, no, that's uh, those are all really good ideas. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, son. Any parting thoughts, sir? I know you've run more events than I have. 
Yeah, so one of my like my last parting thoughts is the I, I call it the the bag of useful things. Every single event, you know, I, I again like I've run a bunch of Warhammer events. I'm now starting to run more Infinity events. I also ran a bunch of like live action role playing events for a variety of different sizes in cons out in the woods. And I have found no matter what kind of event you're running, and I'm kind of keeping this like really broad because this is just good advice for anyone running an event. There is a certain subset of items that like are always useful. And so basically, if I'm running an event, I make sure in my bag I have pens, a sharpie, usually it's black, but like sometimes you want different colors. You want some kind of masking tape. You want a measuring tape. You want scissors. You want extra paper. It doesn't have to be printer paper, but if you have a printer, definitely want more printer paper than you think you'll need. And those are all the things that you need to bring for like things and stuff. You never know when you're going to need to cut something, when you need to like, you know, tape a sign up on a wall. All these are things that I have had to go run or send someone else out to go get because the event has needed it. Seriously, put all those things in your bag. You'll never know when you'll need it. I don't think I've done a single event where I haven't needed one of, at least though every single one of those items at least once. You'll never know when you'll need it, but you'll know when you don't have it. Yes. And the last things you want to need are, you know, we're we're giant sacks of water that, you know, we pretend are, are cool and interesting. You, you are, I, I pretend. So you want to bring, make sure you have water, make sure you have some kind of painkiller if that's something you need. Cough drops if you are worried about your voice at all. And... You know, for me, I can't, you know, leave the house without caffeine. And then you probably want some kind of snack as well. Especially as the TO, you don't a lot of times have the luxury of just leaving where, you know, you need to be stationed there because you're going to be spending that two and a half hour round, most of it doing nothing. But for that two minutes where you're helping someone with a rules call or a line of sight question, those are the most important two minutes potentially for those for those players playing that game and if they have to spend like five minutes finding you because you're off like dicking around in another room like getting water that's not a good spot to be in uh so make sure you can be on your feet talking the whole time and that you know that's your painkiller your cough drops your water and your caffeine seems smart to me it's always good to be prepared and as far as like players go let's just say make sure you remind your players like the email is a great example of this make sure you tell your players to bring their dice to bring all their cards for if it's a certain game that needs those kinds of things probably not a bad idea to have some copies of maybe like classified deck it's always probably a good idea to have like maybe an extra one of those because someone inevitably will forget it yada yada blah 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 couple d20s stuff like that probably not probably not a bad idea to have a few extra of those just now right i think we did it i can't think of anything else to talk about events how do you feel about all that? I, I think people are ready to start running events. And the most important thing to run an event, you have to say yes. You have to say yes, I will run that event. You to to you know to to go past, to peek behind the curtain. I ran Ironwell because you reached out to me. I don't think this is how we first like met to some degree was, hey Brady, I heard you're going to run your first Infinity event next week. How would you like to run this Iron Weld event? So I hadn't run my first Infinity event yet. Again, I had run other events, so I felt confident. But if someone comes up to you and go, wow, our local scene is starting to grow. We, we, you know, maybe we should run a tournament at some point. Just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. And guess what? It's going to be fine. It's people are going to have fun. It's just like your paint job. You When you're looking at it two inches from your eye, you can see every little like time you've smudged, but no one notices when it's three feet away. Everyone interacts with your event from three feet away. You know, they, they only see like the, the absolute how it turned out. I can tell you all these little tiny bumps I hit during Iron Weld, but almost anyone, even if they interacted with that and it negatively affected them, they probably already forgotten. And I'm sitting there in bed, you know, on Sunday night being like, oh, I forgot the poker chips. Oh, I can't go to sleep because I forgot the poker chips. Don't do that ever again. Just say yes. Run an event. Don't panic if you make mistakes. You're a human. Most people understand. I mean, especially as nerds, like we're way more friendly than most other like run-of-the-mill people, right? We really, we get it for the most part. Like if you make a tiny mistake, 
It's not the end of the world. Don't panic. People are usually more than willing to give you an inch, if not a mile, if you get scared because you forgot something or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We're there to have fun. Just try and you're literally a fun facilitator. That is your job. And you know what? You doing that puts you in way higher standards than most other humans on this earth since you're the one that's helping people achieve something that they might be too scared to do. So you know what? You thinking about running an event, I applaud you, quite honestly. Now you just got to take that next step and get it done. Seriously, players really think that like, oh man, it's you. It's so hard. You did so much work. I'm like, honestly, once I got here, I kind of sat on my ass for, for four hours. And then you're like, oh my God, I can never do that. To no, no, seriously, you could. It, you just got to You just gotta be willing to take that responsibility. That's the hardest part is just saying yes and take the responsibility. And a lot of the, a lot of the work is front loaded, right? Because you got to get just the venue and the prizes and all that stuff. As long as that stuff falls through, you could bumble your way through that event and you could probably, everybody probably still think of it. And you're also going to get like the vast majority of rules questions and like terrain questions. I would say your first round is your hardest. That's when there's a lot of questions. And then like your second and third round, it starts tapering off pretty hard. So like, seriously, go do it. People will be so grateful. People are just so grateful to have someone else take that responsibility and do it. Go run events. Go run events. Chicks dig event organizers. Let's let's not lie to them. Come on. Let's try. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brady, let's wrap it up. So, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We would love it if you found a place to give us a five-star review, be it on Google a bathroom stall, uh, maybe like a phone book ad, something like that. Just give us a five-star review. Really helps us grow this new podcasting family that's quite honestly growing more and more by the day. I know that we were having some issues with getting the podcast on some of the catchers. I believe we fixed that. The only one I have not been able to find us on is Podbean. So if you're on Podbean and listening to us, Tell me how you found us, because I can't find us, but I think we're on everything you want to say. You can find me, Dr. D, on Discord at drd4340, or email me at furypainting at gmail.com. As of the date of this recording, from what I understand, Discord is changing their naming rules or something like that here pretty soon. So if that does happen, we'll obviously update you as soon as we know, but that's where you can reach me for now. How about you, Brady? I did not know that was a thing. You can find me, Brady T, on Discord at Brady T, number 8774. Uh, you can also catch me up on the Danger Planet YouTube channel. Um, yeah, I actually I just watched the Terrain episode. I thought it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I, I'm hoping to, you know, peek behind the curtain again. Maybe uh, we'll see a Dr. D on uh, giving, some, giving some words of advice on there sometime soon. Do I get a cool little, like, doodle head? that everybody else has i can't promise anything oh no oh gosh hope it has my daredevil hat so guys thanks for listening nomads make sure you keep it popping out there and don't let it get you never too late to embrace the evolved intelligence Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also, streaming on twitch.tv slash professional casual network at 7 p.m. Eastern time, you can check out, oh yeah, the Power Phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. 
on Tuesdays, the podcast version of Wait, Did I Roll a Wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolfwarp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder second edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild, our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual.